0: Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. I am finishing up a three week really, we can call it a little mini series, talking about uh, a vision, the vision. That we have for Glory Church, uh, what will be different we can claim it as. What will be different, and this is like some uh, some sort of groundworking, groundbreaking truths for some of us. Uh, I don't know if you you are aware of this, but this is like our fifth week of being here on a Sunday, which is pretty exciting. Uh, it's our our fifth week to be here. We have. Um, been here and and just did a little devotion and then did some work on the building i mean as you can look every time you come there's more work that has been done more work needs to be done and i'm like all right lord uh we have our grand opening this sunday how are you going to do it but it's happening and one thing i do know is that the lord has yes been thinning us out um, in a way to to remind us of things that are important there's a lot of glory family who are out of town this weekend i would encourage you if the Lord speaks to you this morning, it will be for the purpose of making sure they are in on this, too. Like, there, there is a mission, a calling that I'm going to be labeling out, and I will speak it now, but I also need you to speak it later. Bring it into your small groups. Bring it into your conversations with your friends. Bring it into the one-on-one conversations, because this is going to be something American churches will die because this is not an easy part of the American church culture, what we're talking about, and and they as an organization will die if we don't start doing this. Now the kingdom will never die, right? But the organizations that we've we've liked to set up sometimes have uh, tamed us. We said last week, right? I, I heard I told you that I heard on a podcast that, uh, and it just sort of challenged me that the question was, I wonder if um, churches have done to Christians what zoos have done to animals. Tame them, get them used to being fed, uh, fed dead things versus having to chase after it. Uh, I wonder like if, if churches have done to, to people, made us tame, made them expect things to be fed versus the wild I wonder if uh, even the mindset has been changed to where we won't go after the things of the Lord. We expect Him to constantly just cuddle us. But we are made right, made new, and I'm excited for this. So um, I. Had one of the guys in our church. He's sort of taking a, a different um, stand uh, as in this new season. His name's Brandon Blackman. If you know him, he's he's out sick today. Uh, but I've sort of told him, I need you to take the big vision that we have and make it flow into every ministry. Um, and I don't know if you realize this, but we have like. 12 or more different ministries here at Glory Church. And we have ones that we're wanting to to continue to grow in. Um, And so he sort of said, this is the big goal of Glory Church. I want you guys to form some goals and and some vision casting. And so hopefully you've done that, ministry leaders. Uh, But one of the things that I told you uh, or I spoke, I wrote down, I just got on this like number 17 for some reason. I just kept writing. Uh, Brandon was like, think big. And I said, okay, 17's big. Uh, I don't know why, but for some reason that was the numbers. I am believing for 17 leaders to begin doing a true discipleship uh, with two people each. I'm believing for um, like 30, I think 30 new families to come in. Uh, I have a personal calling uh, that the Lord has challenged me in uh, and Baptist boy background doesn't really know what this is going to look like, um, but I've heard spoken over me many, many times uh, that I have a gift of healing and deliverance, of um, taking people truths that they call truth, um, but it's not truth, and leading them, delivering it from them. And I, I just would love our church to stand in that, uh, to say, how do, what does it look like to start providing true discipleship for people that break away from this, this idea or the concept? I mean, that's both um, those who are truly hopeless and, honestly, Those of you who are in this place, you are oppressed at times and you don't even realize it. Like the sleepless nights, the stressful things, the times when you wish you were excited about the goodness of God, but you're not. The times when like you wish you would just show up for your wife, but you just struggle to. The times when like you wish you were a better parent and the Lord has called you so, but you're just still believing these lies. All of those need deliverance and they need healing. And I want to step in as a church to this place where we are overcome daily by his power and we overcome daily those, those past troubles, those past hardships. So I'm, I'm ready to step into that. But one thing I do know is we started two weeks ago and I told you that we as a church are going to be living a sent life, not a safe life. Do you remember that? Uh, I told you like we, we are not called to be safe. We're called to be sent, right? To, to go and make disciples of all nations, right? We're called to live sent. And I told you last week, the sort of how we do it is that we are going to have wisdom like a serpent, right? Jesus says that. And to be as pure as a dove. But there's one thing that I need you to know, like, if we do not live sent and make disciples, uh, then there's no reason to live sent. The purpose of going is to bring back. And so I have just a real question for you. How long have you been like a believer? How long have you known Jesus? How many people, this is just a real question, how many people in that amount of time have you actually discipled? Have you said, here's me? Will you walk this life with me? Will you live life with me? I don't know much but I have learned peace through this. I see that you lack it. Can I take you along with me in this? How many people have you discipled? I would say the hard truth is many of us have had years of knowing Jesus, but we just like to be discipled by Jesus, not take the commission to be sent, but you are sent to bring back. Like literally, we are sent out to make disciples of not someone else, but disciples of Jesus and, and bring a home back. Living sent must be for the sake of bringing in. And this is the danger. Honestly, this is what we're talking about. How do you actually bring in people? Not to fill a place, but because Jesus says, I don't just want you to go out into the street and pat yourself on the back because you handed out food. Or you were sent out and got a little uncomfortable that one day or that one Wednesday when you served at the food pantry and and someone spit on you and you got uncomfortable and you prayed over them and you lived sent that day. No, that's not living sent because living sent will always be that you find people to bring back That's sent. And so I, we're going to talk today about this idea of bringing in because there's a dangerous mindset of the modern mission trip in American churches. I was a youth pastor. Uh, we would have fun mission trips, and we'd go to inner cities. We would do it, and and there's this mindset that comes on students, and I, I have to imagine, like, the best way that I've ever learned to teach adults is to just think of them like big high school students. You're just a bigger high school student. Some of you are like, no, I'm, I've am i learned so much. Let's just be honest, we're just like students, like we really are. And in our faith, we, 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 we it's it's fun. So I, we're all just big high school students. One thing I know is that you get really excited for a mission trip as a high school student, and you go out of your norm to do some uncomfortable things out of my norm. And out of my norm, I experience all these good things, but then when I come back, what I bring back into the norm is just what those uncomfortable things did for me. Is this making sense? What you bring back into the norm was what the out of norm meant, did, or taught you. But very few times do we actually bring from the out of norm into the norm the people that were in the out of norm. Very few times do they become a part of our normal life. Very few times do we provide this out of normal experience into an everyday experience of our life. And so then we really train ourselves that I go out into the uncomfortable to really just take back truths for me to learn. Do you see this like nasty little like education that the enemy has for us of like go out there but really do it for you so that you can be challenged? You're doing stuff for them, but is it? We, we have to constantly do this, like in the danger of a Christian bubble, like the comfortable church can do uncomfortable things, but until those uncomfortable things are part of their norm, right. then the church isn't doing it. That's right. And so like, uh, I remember when we first moved in and people thought I was crazy. Um, I just, I'm from Arkansas, apparently just some people don't understand that like, I don't like to wear shoes. And so, I, yeah, amen. I don't like to wear shoes. It made my neighbors, like, die laughing every single time they saw me going barefoot. They thought, like, they were like, man, you're gangster. And I'm like, no, I'm redneck. Like, <laughs> and, but it brought up this great little time of talking, and within the first week of living in our home, I met a next-door neighbor and started a conversation and a, and a friendship with him. I brought him in. Now, this is the difference. You don't go into the uncomfortable to be there and let them know uh, that you're there for them, but then leave the uncomfortable right. and not bring them into your comfortable. Teach up. Teach up. See, it's in your comfort that they find the Lord. That's right. like, hand, like, if you go to them, you by yourself are trying to change their culture. But you bringing them into your culture, it's like mind blown. He, had, he could not fathom the way that Kate and I loved each other. We, had, we would have hour-long conversations about how we could only love each other. He, uh, he could not fathom that I could have a conversation with a girl and not want to take it further sexually. He, he it just, he never, and so we slowly began realizing there are some differences in your thinking that are, are fully a part of the world, but it's not, I can't deal with that in your culture. I bring you into my life and let you see. It sparks up conversations, and that's when discipleship happens. That's when discipleship happens. But I will tell you, that's the scent and uncomfortable thing that we don't like. I want to go to them on my terms, and I will disclose what I want to disclose. But what they need to see is when you and your wife are fighting, and you look and you say, I'm sorry, and they're like, what just happened? There was no screaming, there was no fighting, like there, there was nothing normal about that. Why, how, where? That's when discipleship comes. But I will let you know right, right now, we can easily maintain comfort in our cliques with where we are and never bridge the gap between our out of norm life and our norm life. But that has to happen. We have to bridge the gap between what is out of norm for us and the people who are out of norm and those who are in norm, and this also goes in home. Do you know what's something that's out of norm? Parents, it is out of the norm to stop the chaos that happens in our homes and to actually talk about what's going on. Do, do anyone have kids that are just crazy? Anyone like, can I, yeah, yeah. It is out of the norm for you to not play into the norm of the spiraling emotions, right? That is the out of norm, but you must bring it into the norm of like, all right, we're going to take right now, this time, and we need to talk through things. That's discipleship. That's actually parenting right there, and I struggle to do it, and there's times when I do it better than others, but we have to bring people in, even our children, our families, our conversations. And so I wrote this down. As we increasingly grow here in Trust, we have to bridge the gap between our out of norm and our norm. And that does not not just mean the context that I'm in, but like what I'm willing to talk about. Uh, I have to make disciples in my home. I have to make disciples on the street. I have to make disciples in the church. That means what's out of norm for you, some of you, is to talk to the people on this side of the room. What is out of norm for you guys is to talk to the people who are on this side of the room. But a dying church is the one that will not bridge the gap between what is unnormal to being normal. You must get out of your way to bring it. And so with this mindset, Paul is writing, and I, I'm, I've set you up well. Paul will be writing to a church in Rome who has grown exponentially after the gospel has spread. There are Greeks, there are Jews, there are there are all of these people coming in, and what ends up happening is you have the Jewish section. You have the Jewish sh- section that's a little bit uh, okay with sitting by, by Gentiles. You have the Gentiles who are a little bit okay sitting by the Jews, and then you have the Gentiles way over there who still, you know, struggle to think about uh, Everything with it there was sexual things attached to worship in the past, and now we have to move beyond that. And it, all of this was in one roof, and they were struggling. They were struggling to disciple. They were struggling to grow in a way that is actually um, like Christ and not grow in a way that is like any other organization in the world. They were struggling. And so Paul writes this in Romans 15. He says, we who are strong have an obligation, some of you need to circle that, to bear with the failings of the weak and to not please ourselves. Pause. If you said in your mind that you have known Christ for a good number of years, then you have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and to not please yourself anymore. This means like, honestly, it is not a good reason to leave a church if you weren't fed at the church. It's not. Because your job as an adult in the faith is to eat yourself. You, don't, you understand, not yet. Feed yourself. The job of the church is to collectively come and speak to those who are weak. Show them hope. And I, I, that's not saying that I'm going to downgrade the gospel because the gospel hopefully speaks to you of wherever you are in the understanding, and your faith of Christ. But what I do know is your role as a Christ follower is no longer for you to be fed. It's, you have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. Those who, uh, who just met Jesus last month, you have a job to bear with the weak do those who are still in their sin and you're like on fire you remember when we first met jesus and we were on fire and we were like handing out all of our sin problems and we're like i'm never going to do these again only to find out like a year later we still struggle with it but in that moment month two we were like i'm going strong and i'm so frustrated at all of those who don't seem to be doing it with me you have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak so let each of us he says let each of us please his neighbor for his good and to build him up for Christ did not please himself but as it is written he, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me verse 4 for whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction all of the past, the the law, it was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we can have hope. It all points to Jesus. May the God of endurance, Paul says, and the encouragement, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, that together you may may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's so funny, I've copied and pasted, this is the ESV translation for you, but I've memorized the NRSV. Anyone ever had a hard time reading a translation that was different than the one that you've memorized? Whew, I was struggling. I was like, this is not the one that I've memorized. Verse 7, though, this is where I want to land. He says, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, to those who were Jewish, uh, to show God's truthfulness, to go show how good and true God is. And in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might come, welcome Therefore, welcome one another. Now, I, w- I want to sit on this a little bit. This word welcome. Those of you who, who like to, to understand a little bit, write this down. The word welcome doesn't just mean hi, it means to bring along, it means to lead aside, it means to take aside, uh, take them with you. It means to, it implies like privacy, that there's this one on one attached to it. It means to receive someone well. And it means to gather together. All of these are what Paul is telling this very um, Jewish and Greek church to do. That like quite literally Jews, if you don't know their names, then you're not welcoming them. If you don't seek to get outside of yourself and lead, take aside someone else, then you are not living sin. If you are not implying privacy with another believer, where you're, tra- you're challenging them and them you, then you are not living sin. Jesus gave one, one commission, right, Miss Rhonda? One commission go and make disciples of all nations. I just like, I have a lot of believers in the room. Why are you sitting alone all the time? <laughs> Why are you sitting alone? You're like, well, I'm with my, my wife. Why aren't you with some people too? Why are you sitting alone all the time? You live sent to bring in. This means like I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there. I'm going to make sure the seat is there because I want them to. Did you know that the way that I learned how to worship was because someone mentored me. I sat with them during worship and I watched how they, that guy, in a room full of women did not care how he responded to the Lord. His name was Bobby John. I mean, Bobby John didn't care about many things, Uh, but he did not care how anyone else saw him. He said, I'm gonna worship the Lord, and I learned how to worship the Lord. Your children will not know how to worship the Lord if they don't see you do it. Your community will not know how to worship the Lord unless they see you do it. Uh, I would like, like Judith, I'll, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna call you out in a good way. You ready? I've heard from many people, you teach them how to worship when you are loud and vibrant and speak out of yourself. Like the, the, it shows that this is a safe place to, if the Lord has, has in me, like I, I'm gonna scream and tell him how thankful I am, right? Like we do not do a good job leading aside leading people aside us and this is the challenge the call of us as followers who am i bringing along who am i bringing along cuz i see a lot of you come to church on your own who are you bringing along this place is not for you anymore it's for you and some right it's it's actually for you and some like I need you to remember that like the gospel is not just a an and or an or like it's a both It's this beautiful thing that you, this place Is for you and you to grow others and for others to grow you and you to be challenged The word welcome is huge. It's the heart of discipleship I'm gonna take you who is out of my norm and I'm gonna welcome you into my norm you're gonna see all the flaws you're gonna see all the issues. You're gonna see, uh, I mean, quite literally, I'm gonna to go to Target today. Do you wanna come with me? Like, let's go shop. And in this conversation, now they're seeing how I treat other people. Do you know people only know how to treat people by watching other people treat people? Like, that's sometimes the best way to change their behavior. Come walk with, let's, let's live life together. Oh, they watch you cry. Because we bring them along. We bear the weaknesses with the weak. Just as I've been gathered, right? It literally says, welcome those just as Christ Jesus welcomed you. And how did he do it? He said this. If you could go back to to that previous slide, slide four. uh, It says, Christ became a servant to show God's truthfulness. In other words, Christ became this servant to, to display God's reality as true. Do you display God's reality as true to your spouse? Do you know what that means? Do you show that his word is true by your level of forgiveness, by your level of dealing with the weakness that they have, or are you voiding the truth of the Lord? By your interactions, do you make does this make sense? Are you are you proving? Because Christ proved the truth of the Father by coming and dying. He proved it by bringing the lost in. He proved it forever. We've seen in the Old Testament, uh, Bathsheba, able to be brought in. Forever we've seen people like Ruth and, and Moab and all of these like outside people being able to be brought in. We've seen it, but Jesus proves it. You have the ability to prove in our street, in our section, in our place, that the gospel is not for the healthy. The gospel is for the hurting. The, doctor, the hospital It's not for the healthy, it's for the hurting, but you void that truth when you don't. Does that make sense? You make void that truth by the gospel you walk out when you don't bring people in. Is this making sense? I, I, I just like I need you to know there's a la- when there's a lack of gathering I need you to know when there's a lack of welcoming there is a lack of strengthening like literally what scripture says that it, it said he became a servant and the reason he became a servant was to confirm the promises of the Lord. To make firm in us the promises of the Lord. That means when we don't welcome hard conversations into our children, like parents again, like if I don't welcome a time of uncomfortability and bring in the gospel, then there is a lack of strengthening in their heart. There's a lack of confirming, right? Like we wonder why so many adults are insecure. It's because... There was no time to pause and make confirm the truths of the Lord. I've been having to do that, and I don't do it very well. But I see yesterday, I was like, okay, God, if I'm going to do this, Kate was gone, and I don't know what it is. Her presence just makes our children, I feel like, a little bit more behaved. Um, (laughs) But their emotions are crazy when she's not there. I made the girls sit down at the table. They're just fighting. Sit down at the table. We're gonna deal with this right now. What are you thinking? What when she did that, what did you feel? And we literally had a like when there's a lack of welcoming, there's a lack of strengthening. My daughters have, like your daughters do, like you did, deep insecurities that can never be confirmed and spoken into until they are welcomed, until they are brought alongside. My sons have deep insecurities. Men in the room, you have deep insecurities that cannot be confirmed by the truth of the gospel until they are welcomed in. Hey, let's deal with it. Let's talk through this. let's talk through this. You see, there's a lack of strengthening in our churches because we struggle with welcoming. You want to sit here, you want to sit here, you want to sit there, you want to sit over there, and you there, 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 and you'll high. but you go about your normal day and nothing in the out of normal is brought into the normal. And so there's no welcoming, no strengthening. In fact, I could say this another way, like uh, where there's a lack of strengthening, there may be some growth, but it's not healthy. Can we all just agree that like healthy things grow, right? When when something is healthy, it will grow. But can we also say that not all growing things are healthy? You with me on that? Sometimes if your body is growing, that doesn't mean your body's healthy, right? 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 Not all growing things are healthy. But all healthy things will grow. And this is the difference. Uh when we plant a Glory Church, we are part of, and it, there's metrics attached to church planting. There is. Uh, there are things that people want us to be able to pass. There, there are metric bars, and a lot of them, you know, there's numbers attached, right? That it, this number is good, this number is bad, this number is better, and all of these things. And some of it's really good and helpful, but one thing that we can get a, an, an attached to is that if there is growth in numbers, it's healthy, But one thing I also need you to know, if it's healthy, there will be growth in numbers. So I want you to know this, the seat next to you that's empty is a very important thing. It is important that it's empty. Not because I want to fill this place full, but because there are people that you need to welcome in. Does that make sense? No, that's the difference. Like I, whew, I need you to know. There, th- we could fill this place up. Like I could, we could spend a lot of money, and it would not be good. Uh, we could give away free things. We could have a lot of fun in this place, and we could we could fill this place to the brim. It can happen very easy. But if they leave, and are never known by you, if they leave and never know you, then it's not healthy. That's right. It's not healthy. But I also know if we remain where we are now and don't grow, we're not healthy because healthy things grow. That's right. Healthy things grow. There's an empty seat beside you because it needs to be filled by the person that you bring into your life. By the person that you do. As a parent, Like I, I, I want my kids not to just grow up, But to be healthy, I mean, growing up happens naturally. Like, I'm going to keep hitting the parents. I just really felt this morning that our kids' ministry, um, I'll just be, be honest, our kids' ministry is going to need children who know, who know the confirmation of the Lord. Because there's going to be children who need peers who know the presence and power of the Lord. And so what does that start with? You, parents. When you take time and say, uh, there's, there's a lack of strengthening in my home because we're growing, but we're not healthy. Why are we growing? Because things grow over time. Why are we not healthy? Because things keep happening and I'm not stopping it. Because things keep happening and we're not like speaking truth into it. And so, like, I need you to do that because things are going to happen downstairs with children-to-children, you know, conversations, and we need them to know how to stop it and speak into it. That's learned by you. Does that make sense? Parents, I just needed to speak into that because I—we have to realize that if we don't bring along our children, what makes us think that we can bring along anyone else— Scripture says, I mean, we're going to start having elders as our church one day. We are. But I'm, I'm going to be very particular. You know if someone is an elder by the way that their children treat them. That's what Scripture says. If their children honor them, you can see it. Little kids honoring mom and dad, best way of knowing, I want that man leading other men. I want that woman leading other women. I would consider her, I want to submit under them because I see the way they parent. And you, we've talked, I, I, that's huge, the way that kids speak to their parents. And, and, and it's so, I'll just keep going, I'm sorry. I will tell you the point of this is to not fill this room with 30 families because that's my, one of my goals, right, to bring 30 families in. But the point is for you to say, who are the families that I've just not brought in to my life? Because I, I could care less if they're here on Sunday, if they're not in your life Monday through Friday. Then you were doing a worthless job with the gospel. Yeah. Right? Like it, it, There's no point in bringing them in if we're not going to bring them in. If we're not going to bring them in. So I'll let you know, the most beautiful thing, though, is when Jesus says... <laughs> When he says, like, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, right? Like he says that, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. But one thing that we forget is that sheep do a really good job at one thing. Did you know mature sheep have this instinctive nature to find immature sheep and to huddle them up? It's really cool. Sheep have this instinctual thing to gather the young and lead them to the the shepherd, it's, it's really beautiful. Mature sheep know where to find the immature sheep, and they gather them, and they walk them to the shepherd. It's really beautiful. So if we're going to do this, I'm going to need you to know, like, older sheep in faith, there are younger sheep that have not been gathered well, that have not been welcomed well. Your job is to gather them together, to welcome them in, and to lead them to the shepherd. Again and again and again, another way that you can say this if you want to take notes, welcoming people in, it literally grants vision to their next step. It does, it grants vision to what they should do next. Not their next 10 steps, but their next step. And so I just want to like, parents in the room, I'm to say this again, like, help a child know where they should go next, how they should feel next. be okay with their feelings now, but how should they, what, what is the next thing they should do? Because our job is, as, as believers is to show people their next step. You know the, the thing, the proverb, where the people have no vision, they perish? There's too many people perishing, discouraged, because we have this like, follow Jesus, but we don't have the person in their life saying, here's your next step. Here's your next step. This is what it looks like. This is this is I've been there, I went through that. Here's the next step. Here's the next step. Welcoming people does that. It does that. But I'm gonna end in this way. I I want to make sure that we have enough time to actually go invite people with door hangers. Um, but I'm gonna end with this. Scripture says, welcome people just as you were welcomed. Just as you were welcomed. In this room, there are lies attached to how you believe Jesus welcomed you in. And so you're not welcoming in people because that word just as means to the same degree that you were welcomed in. Some of you still believe that the Lord only loves you when you do good. Some of you are still believing that these false beliefs about his ability to take you along with him. That you are worthy of it. And believe it or not, you are just as is hurting other people. You won't lead people if you are fearful that you're not worthy to be led. It's just, it, it works that way. That's true. And so, I just want to pray. I want to challenge. I want to encourage and then we're going to call this done because I need your help today, passing out some invites, all right? Because what the point of this place is to not fill it up if we're not going to welcome in. Yeah, to be examples. Yeah. God, in this place right now, I just want to realize the fact. That- Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.